WKCR FM New York. This is Jazz Alternatives. My name is Mitch Goldman. This is not a pre recorded show. We are really here. It's Monday, September 5th, 2022, Labor Day, and we got some labors ahead of us. We're celebrating having this moment of pause in the work year, but I know for musicians, the work never ends. That's what I understand. Let me welcome our guest tonight. Welcome back to the studio, Graham Haynes. Thank you, Mitch. It's a pleasure to be here. It's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, it's good to be back, man. My radio home away from home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I want to get into some music, but uh, why don't you tell us who we are focusing on tonight? <clears throat> Tonight's focus is Bill Dixon, a great trumpet player, Composer, visual artist, teacher, one of the great teachers of our time of music and the arts. All right. Well, and we've got, uh, as always, and I'm always hesitant to say it because it's a little bit of a high wire act. You tell me who we want to focus on. I go into the KCR archives seeking diamonds and pearls and uh, definitely produced tonight. What are we going to start with? Okay, we're starting with Bill Dixon and Milford Graves from May 27, 1984, the top of the gate, the top of the village gate. The show's called Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. My guest is Graham Haynes. And here's some music from Bill Dixon with Milford Graves on WKCR. Thank you. 
There's some music you have never heard from Bill Dixon and Milford Graves. It's a recording made here in New York City. Top of the gate, May of 1984. The show's called Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. So happy to have Graham Haynes in the studio. And Graham, you uh, pointed us in the direction of Bill Dixon. And I'm curious uh, what overlap you might have had with him. Musically, personally, tell me. I first met Bill Dixon in Germany. I was playing at a festival, and Bill reminded me this when I met him the second time. He reminded me it was in Firth, and it was about 1996 or so. And I was playing with Barb Stewart, and Bill had opened that night at the festival and uh, he was incredible and he stuck around and he heard us play and uh, I can't remember if I talked to him that night but then I didn't see Bill I didn't see him I didn't hear anything much about him I'm you know I was involved in things that I was doing and Bill was doing his things and I, I guess at that time, he was still teaching. But flash forward to 2000, I don't know, about 2008 or something like that. I got a call uh, from somebody, and I can't remember who it was, saying that Bill was trying to reach me for an ensemble he was putting together. And... Uh, that's this CD. Yeah, yeah. Very. This is uh, very. Thank, thank you for bringing this up. This uh, recording made at the Vision Festival in at the, in that year. And uh, is, it, is, there a, is there a year there? On that? Uh, came out in two thousand seven. And okay, so I wasn't too far off. It was probably yeah, two thousand seven. This one's called so, Seventeen Musicians in Search of a Sound, Darfur." So, Bill got in touch with me, and he told me he wanted me to play in this ensemble for this festival, this this gig. And he reminded me that he first heard me in Firth with, with Bob Stewart and how much he really liked my sound. And, uh, wow, I was blown away by the fact that he remembered me. <laughs> yeah. And I said, of course, sure, I'd come and play and um, that was a very interesting gig. I mean, I, I had, I didn't, I had to say, I didn't really know much about Bill's music and about his his trajectory and his playing and all that. But I got to know him through doing this gig and and the rehearsals for the gig, and. Um, I just realized how great a teacher this man was. You know, I had known people who had studied with him up at Bennington, and I know people that are musicians, visual artists, that studied under Bill. But until I did this gig and did these rehearsals, I uh, I didn't really know much about him or 
as I said, how great a teacher he was. He was a great teacher and a great philosopher. He had great insight about a lot of things. And uh, his rehearsals were lectures. You know, he would talk at length about how to play one note. Ah, interesting. He was one of those Zen kind of guys, but he... He he really knew because he uncovered all these things. He as a trumpet player, he he created a new way of playing the trumpet uh, based on this whole fact that he changed his armature, and, it, and that was kind of like an accident. He changed his armature, and by doing that, he got all these other tones and other sounds. Bill, you would have to say that Bill was instrumental to changing the sound of the trumpet as Cherry was. Which uh, is saying a tremendous amount. And yeah, I, yeah, 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 but a lot of people, he didn't, you know, for one reason or another, he didn't get the credit for that. But I mean, for anybody to do that, you and I were talking about this a little bit last week on the phone that, you know, trumpet or versions of it have been around for how long? Hundreds of years. You probably know better than I do. It took, uh, and, you know, all the great music that's been written for it, I mean, to come along and change the conception of that standard idea of that and the sound of it is, uh, takes a, what does it take? You tell me what it takes. It takes a lot. You know, the way I look at it, what what Bill did, he must have reached a point. Well, you know, as I said, as I was told, it was an accident that he changed his armature. I think he I had armature. I think he had issues. He had like mm-hmm. dental issues or or some kind of physical. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think to the point that in the '60s, early on, when he started writing, that he was not able to play for a period of time, or at least not at the level that he needed to. That right. And maybe this is how he came through the other side of that. I don't know the detail. Yeah, I, th- I believe that was it. He developed this new armature, and in doing that, he found all these other sounds and what we like to call extended techniques and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I think at the same time, what was happening was uh, with the music, with what we like to call now the new music or free jazz was that they exhausted all the possibilities <laughs> with what they, you know, music in a jazz setting, in a trio, or quintet, quartet, you know, I mean, it, it pretty much been exhausted by all the people, by John Coltrane and everyone before. Sure. You know, so musicians like Bill and Cecil and Archie, they had to come up, it was like, okay, we're, we can't do anything else in this, so we have to change. <laughs> yeah. We have to change the direction yeah. from, so, but um, yeah, so then there's Bill as a, as, as, a, as a trumpet player, and I was thinking about this the other day, you know, the three great master trumpet players in the new music that I got to work with. That's with Donna Leo Smith, mm-hmm. Bill Dixon, and Butch Morris. Yeah. 
three great trumpet players who were a part of the new music. And when I think about those guys, and I because I also worked with a lot of saxophone players and piano players, so when I think about the trumpet players, the interesting thing is the trumpet players, um, in their composing, they were minimalists. The saxophone players and the piano players were max. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> they always had more notes, more notes, and more notes, and more, more, and more. And the trumpet, these three trumpet players. It was about less and more space, and you know that is, you know it, I think that has to do with the instrument. You know, the instrument itself doesn't lend itself to playing uh, a lot of flurries of notes. Of course, if you're Dizzy Gillespie, or you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you're, there's an exception. But yes, as a rule, you know, was a real. You know, so okay, so then like the lineage of the trumpet. Okay, so you could you could draw a line from Louis Armstrong, and then Miles Davis comes along. Mm-hmm. Miles changes the sound of the instrument. He changed the sound of the instrument. Then you go from Miles, and then you go to Bill Dixon and Jerry, and they again change the sound of the instrument and then we go from there and yeah. <laughs> so now yeah. we're dealing we're still dealing with the same language that those two trumpet players they also both in a sense changed the instrument or made choices about the instrument that they brought to it Bill Dixon with the play also played flugelhorn bringing playing bringing electronics to it right. cherry playing the pocket trumpet right and right yeah well yeah that's a, that's again part of the the exhaustion of the instrument yeah the, it's the regular trumpet it's really interesting it, you know? and that that part of the conversation too that extended technique you see that on every instrument of all those musicians who were in that involved in that at the time of whether it's people doing something with a prepared piano or saxophonists reaching into extended range. Yeah, or Mil- Milford singing into the... Milford singing into the drums, <laughs> or changing up the kit, or, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to bring, uh, you know, uh, whatever it might be, and and I'm going to bring a uh, automobile brake drum and play that, and, you know, found objects, and people doing all these other things, and just, as you say reaching beyond we've we've come to the end of the road so we're just what are we going to do we're going to keep going and um but uh this interface of that and maybe bill dixon arriving at that in whatever way that he did and um but i want to come back to this thing in a sense it doesn't surprise me that those three composers that you mentioned all tapped you because for a bunch of reasons i would think but one of them is that you don't fear an extended tone. And, um, you know, that, it seems, I'm curious if, as a player, there's a, a kind of a risk in playing fewer notes or a kind of an exposure that you're, um, you're putting you're, yourself open in a way. You're exposed by virtue of playing the instrument. <laughs> okay, <exposed. laughs> go ahead, keep going. You're already exposed. <laughs> you know, if you're a trumpet player, you're exposed. Now, you know, there's a lot of, you know, since 
the since Dizzy Gillespie, since Freddie Herbert, since Clifford Brown, since you know, there is a lot of uh, the technique of the trumpet has been completely uh, uh, examined. You know what you can do with pure tones on the trumpet, uh, and so. Yeah, what's what's next? What else are you gonna do that hasn't yeah. been done? You know, you, you work with extended techniques, electronics. You know, and um, yeah, that's 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 what I decided I wanted to do, and I, apparently that's what others others have decided. Yeah, that they also would do is work further with these uh techniques and, and 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 effects and and technology and to try to to create something from today that makes sense within the whole lineage of yeah 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 and that's if you don't know Graham Haynes' work people need to check out what you're doing as well and hear where where you've taken that because that's another great story and i think you made a really interesting choice we got a bunch of terrific live recordings of bill dixon the first one that we're playing is this one as we said top of the gate down on on uh, bleaker street and 19 may of 1984 duet with milford graves and People might associate Bill Dixon with some larger group composition work that he did. We're going to hear some of that as well. But this duet performance is uh, it's, it's his playing and his ideas, the two of them together, and uh, really unadorned by any other um, you know, composition and other musicians. And there's uh, a lot to look at here, listen to. What are we hearing? What are you hearing when you listen to this set of these two guys playing together? Wow, I'm hearing I'm I'm hearing the sound of <laughs> the so, the sound of uh, you know, I hate to say, I don't like the term free jazz. I mean, I think that's why some people called it the new music. Uh and there's a whole story about free jazz and and you've probably heard it. <laughs> I don't know which one you might mean, but go ahead, share. Yeah, it's 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 a story, but it's a joke. And uh, Carl Berger told me this story. He said, "Well, you know, there was a big, there was a show in somewhere in Ohio or somewhere, and Cecil was on the show, and Ornette was on the show, and all these musicians, Steve Lacey, and all these musicians, quote unquote, free jazz musicians, were on the show, and they played the gig, and then after." Everyone had played. They somebody went to try to get the bread, and the guy said, oh. "Well, it's free jazz." Oh. <laughs> you know? oh. This is a story that oh. I heard, but I mean, it, apparently, I've heard this story from from more than one person. So apparently, it happened. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, free jazz is, is is a term I don't like to use. Um, it has a lot of connotations, and I won't go into all that now but um well i like the idea i don't remember if where i heard this that uh and if this was something that ornette said or was attributed to him that 
the term free jazz was an album of Ornette Coleman's, and that maybe that's where that term originated from, that he didn't mean it as an adjective. He meant it as a verb uh, to free jazz, uh, which is a whole other way of looking at all, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't often look at it that way. <laughs> um. But uh, so in this duet, we're going to come back and hear some more of this. Bill Dixon, Milford Graves. Anything you want to uh, share about you, what you're hearing these two guys? Yeah, I mean, you're hearing raw music in the moment. This music is about being in the moment, and it's uh, it's it's completely raw. Uh, I think a lot of it is not prepared at all. Um, I think it's possible Bill had some things that he prepared um, melody-wise, but I think they're just going for it. All right. Let's hear the rest of this set. So once again, it's May 27th, 1984. You're at the top of the gate, which was at the Village Gate on Bleecker Street, above what is now Le Poisson Rouge, if you know the place. And um, it's so this uh, duet performance, two of them, Bill Dixon playing trumpet, Milford Graves on the drums and the vocals. And um, coming up, we're going to hear some more of that larger ensemble work that Bill Dixon did. Uh, it's a great night to be listening to the radio. It's WKCR. The show's called Deep Focus. I'm Mitch Goldman here with Graham Haynes, my guest. And here's music from Milford Graves and Bill Dixon on. WKCR.
Bill Dixon. September 5th, 2022, a lovely Monday night, 6 to 9 p.m. here in New York City. Graham Haynes, my guest, our topic, Bill Dixon, as you heard. You know you can subscribe to this program, and it'll show up automatically whenever a new episode comes into, uh, whenever we release one. All you got to do is uh, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcasting app. If you don't see it there, come find us at the hosting site, which is mitchgoldman.podbean.com. And uh, you can also follow us on Instagram, and you can even email us. We are deepfocusnow at gmail.com. Okay, that was part one. I'll see you over at part two.